Hello and welcome to European Pharmaceutical Reviews podcast. In this episode, we're discussing QC lab compliance and taking a look at the particular concerns presented by spectroscopy instruments with Julia Griffin, Product Manager, Realm and Products, and Gary Wright, European Laboratory Compliance Specialist, both from Agilent Technologies. My name is Hannah Balfour, I'm the science writer at European Pharmaceutical Review, and I will be your host today. Regulatory compliance is crucial to ensure the safety of patients, but it can be a challenge for companies to meet the standard. With spectroscopy instruments being a critical tool for pharmaceutical analysis, and their applications across the industry growing. In this episode, Julia and Gary highlight some of the common compliance issues companies are facing in their QC labs and what to do to overcome them. So hi, Julia and Gary. Thank you for joining me today. To start us off, could you tell me how is spectroscopy used in the pharmaceutical industry? Sure, Hannah, I'll take that one. So spectroscopy is used widely throughout the pharmaceutical industry. Now, whether that is testing your incoming raw materials for your manufacturing process, where there's real novel technologies that can scan through packaging, all the way through to your finished products in terms of your batch release tests and your quantification and quality control checks. You see infrared and Raman technologies used throughout this, but also all the in-between steps as well and the R&D So whether that be molecular structure determination with NMR, protein quantification with UV-Vis, or infrared reaction monitoring, formulation development, protein kinetics. I mean, the list goes on in terms of the application space for spectroscopy within the pharmaceutical industry. And building off of that, what are some of the sort of key applications of spectroscopy in quality control? And would you say the uses of spectroscopy are expanding? The uses of spectroscopy within quality control, I definitely see expanding. So some of the main applications would be ID tests and also quantification as well. And I think it's expanding not only because there's more tools available on the market, but also industry drivers where Customers, pharmaceutical QC scientists are looking for a test that is fast, efficient and reproducible as well. So they're looking to expand their QC analytical toolkit to deliver a result quicker, faster and efficiently as well. And spectroscopy can really help meet those needs. Absolutely. And it's obviously one of the uh, key applications we report on all the time with European Pharmaceutical Review. So can you actually give us any detail on the sort of size of the quality control spectroscopy market, particularly in Europe? Yeah, so I did actually have to go away and look at some numbers in preparation for this. So think roughly the market's about $160 million in terms of instrumentation. So if we look at that and where that's come from, if we consider the whole molecular spectroscopy market, which in a whole global sense is around $5 billion, pharma and biopharma sectors are actually one of the largest sectors within molecular spectroscopy instrumentation, taking about 30% market share. So it's a major segment for molecular spectroscopy. Within that, then you look at the European market and Europe is a large proportion of this instrumentation market alongside America. And then within the pharma European 
analytical molecular spectroscopy market, looking at where that sits within QAQC. QAQC is actually one of the largest sectors, again, within that. So this is where I have the confidence to say that this is an important market space for molecular spectroscopy and also a growing one as well. Absolutely. We've definitely seen some critical development in spectroscopy over the past few years. But with that development, obviously compliance is a critical concern for the pharmaceutical industry being so highly regulated. So what kinds of compliance issues are companies struggling with when it comes to the QC lab? Yes, that's a great question. I mean, Some of the most common compliance challenges that we see regulated companies facing are things like gaps in their documentation practices, incomplete investigations. Sometimes they struggle to have the skills or expertise to train their staff. And then other challenges include configuring and validating software correctly and implementing data integrity controls. Thank you, Gary, uh, for introducing those various uh, challenges with compliance. And what would you say are the specific challenges related to spectroscopy instruments? So a lot of the compliance challenges that we see today with spectroscopy instruments aren't specific to the particular instrument platform or the software. It's more around the controls needed to minimise compliance and data integrity risk need to be implemented consistently across the complete laboratory, regardless of the instrument or software being used. So, for example, regulated companies tend to prioritise their chromatography instruments based on the volume of GMP data that they generate. So they implement the necessary controls to minimise that compliance and data integrity risk in that area first. And then we tend to find that spectroscopy instruments and software are given a lower priority because there's generally less instruments in the lab or the volume of GMP data generated is less compared to chromatography. So in some cases, companies don't have the time or resources to implement the same controls that have been applied to chromatography, or the companies see the spectroscopy systems as less critical within their GMP workflows. So they implement very basic controls that still present them with an element of compliance risk. So The regulatory requirements for spectroscopy instruments are exactly the same as chromatography instruments because we're using the digital data within those GMP workflows to make quality-based decisions. So if you're going to implement technical controls within spectroscopy software, make sure that you apply it at the same level that you do for your chromatography systems. So some really interesting points there, Gary. I'd just kind of like to maybe add a little bit of flavour to some of the points that you mentioned. Uh, So you were talking about in terms of issues with spectroscopy and compliance or drew on comparisons between chromatography and also spectroscopy. And this is very true. We see this most recently. I had a customer uh, who was implementing spectroscopy into a compliant environment and they were talking to their QA and The difficulties in this particular example arose because the QA department were coming to the conversation very much with their chromatography hat on. And so there was definitely, I'm going to say, an educational gap, information gap between the two departments, the spectroscopist talking to the 
QA. So for me, this is very much a need or an issue that needs to be in, addressed to ensure compliance, this education of the requirements to implement spectroscopy in a compliant manner. Absolutely. And obviously, one of the key ways we find out about QC compliance issues is through warning letters and form 483s. So can you give any examples of sort of the compliance issues that have been highlighted in these kind of areas? So typical examples of, you know, non-conformances from either 483 or warning letters specific to the use of spectroscopy platforms include things like, you know, end users not having a user-specific profile. So a generic logon is being used to access the instrument and generate data. So we don't get the full visibility that we need to understand which person in the lab has logged onto that system, generated that data file or processed that result. Other areas of non-conformance related to spectroscopy systems include end users having more permissions or privileges within the software that than they need to do their role. So, for example, in a QC environment, somebody who's using a spectroscopy system shouldn't be able to modify a method. They shouldn't be able to delete a method or they shouldn't be able to delete data once that data has been acquired or, or processed. Another final example is the use of order trails there's still a lot of warning letters are issued for companies not having activated order trails for spectroscopy instruments or not reviewing the content of the order trails during their periodic reviews. That's really interesting to hear some of those examples. And why do you think it's important to look at warning letters, for instance, to help companies achieve compliance? Yeah, so again, that's an excellent question. And it, you know, it's something that we do a lot of here within Agilence so that we can pass on that knowledge to our customer base. And you know, we share that information during, you know, these types of podcasts, webinars, and face-to-face seminars as well. So, you know, the benefits of reviewing past regulatory non-conformances gives you a rich source of information, which really helps you understand what issues have been identified by regulatory inspectors during the last 12 months. So, you know, that information can help you better prepare for your next regulatory inspection. So you can firstly assess, have you got any potential compliance gaps that are gonna be highlighted during the inspection? And secondly, it gives you the opportunity to correct some of those compliance gaps before you get into the inspection. So my advice would be, don't wait for your next regulatory inspection to take a look at how you're using your spectroscopy platforms. The QC laboratory, it's a continually changing environment. So make sure that you're doing regular risk assessments around your spectroscopy systems because you'll be developing, validating and testing new products within your QC laboratory all the time. That's really interesting. And obviously, one of the critical changes through the pandemic, but also over a number of years, has been digitalization and automation coming into different areas of the industry. And I suppose quality control and assurance is obviously one of them. So has digitalization and automation changed what compliance issues are arising or are picked up by regulators? 
So you're absolutely right. Digitalization has given regulatory inspectors access to more information within your software system. So during a regulatory inspection, the inspector will want to look at the metadata within your software system, which gives them much better visibility of how a particular result's being generated. So this means cases of data manipulation or falsification can be identified much faster and easier when using digital data compared to paper or hybrid workflows. So yes, digitalization has resulted in an increase in the number of data integrity citations, but those citations also include a greater level of detail that's being reported by the inspector. In terms of the automation piece, automation is favored by regulatory inspectors because this minimizes the human intervention that end users have with the digital data. So it also minimizes the opportunity for data manipulation or falsification. So if you've got a modern software platform which has the capability to use automated workflows, then evaluate that capability and develop those automated workflows, but make sure that you validate those automated workflows so that you can defend to an inspector that that workflow gives an accurate result that doesn't impact the quality of your product. Absolutely, and validation and compliance go hand in hand. But if, for instance, say I work in a lab and I have a lack of compliance in my spectroscopy instruments, what impact can that actually have on my company? So, yeah, another great question. And, you know, receiving a non-conformance citation can have a significant impact on the future success of your company because particularly warning letters are published in the public domain by regulators all over the world. So that makes that warning letter readily available to your existing customers, to potential future customers, but also to your competitors if you're working in a similar space to another company. So I don't think people really realize the impact that a warning letter or a non-conformance can have on the future of your business because it is clearly visible and it can affect existing business and future business as well. So if you do get a non-conformance, you'll have the opportunity to discuss and rectify those issues with the agency within an agreed time frame. So typically that can be maybe 30 or 60 days and it's only at the point that you've tried to rectify the problem that the agency will issue an official warning letter if they're unsatisfied with the response or the time frame that you've tried to implement the corrective action. So hopefully if you did receive some sort of non-conformance during an inspection, you would be able to resolve it within an adequate time period with the inspector, and then that warning letter wouldn't be posted in the public domain for your other customers or potential competitors to see. I don't know about you, but I particularly want to avoid those kind of issues. So I suppose the next thing we should really address is how should companies go about ensuring their spectroscopy equipment and more broadly their QC labs as well are compliant? I think there's a number of key areas that QC labs should be focusing on in order to minimise their compliance risks. So, you know, first of all, we need to look at, you know, 
how a company is using an instrument. Not every company uses an instrument in the same way. So it's really important that you define your intended use of that instrument and how you're going to use that instrument within your GMP workflow should dictate how that instrument is qualified. Instrument qualification is a real important area to focus on to make sure that your user requirements are being tested during the qualification and that you're using the instrument within the qualified range. The second area to focus on, I would recommend, is software validation. So again, modern software platforms come with many different configurable options and software is used in different companies in different ways for different workflows. It's really important that you choose the right configuration for your workflow and that you need to test that workflow and configuration during the software validation phase. Another area to focus on would be the implementation of data integrity controls. So again, although data integrity is not a new topic for industry, we still see a lot of non-conformance coming through for companies who haven't configured their software correctly and haven't built in the appropriate data integrity controls. And then the last area that I would recommend that companies focus on is you know, moving towards a fully digital workflow. We speak to so many customers who are still using historic paper-based systems or they're using a hybrid system, which is very difficult to manage because you're then managing a paper-based system and you're managing a digital system. So if you're investing in new software platforms, just try and go digital from day one. So make sure you perform the full workflow within the software. So that would be all of the data acquisition, the data processing, the data reporting, and then all the review and the approvals at the end of the workflow as well. So try not to print out any data or process data outside of the software systems. That's really interesting. Definitely a start as you mean to go on kind of concept to apply. So if companies are interested in ensuring they're compliant and getting guidance with that, what are the key regulations or guidance documents that companies should be looking at to help them? Yeah, so the three key bits of guidance document that I would recommend for the instrument qualification piece, we would recommend end users take a look at United States Pharmacopeia Chapter 1058 on analytical instrument qualification. So this chapter maps out all the various phases of the qualification lifecycle and how instruments should be qualified. The chapter was last updated in 2017 to include additional requirements to perform regular risk assessments, to categorize instruments and define your intended use of those instruments. The requirements to develop user requirements based on how a company is going to use that instrument within their workflow and then make sure that the qualification is based on intended use. So. You know, that 2017 chapter was a real stepwise change in the guidance and also how regulated companies receive their instrument qualification program. Rather than relying on a service vendor standard protocol, it's now the end user's responsibility to tell the service vendor how they want their instruments qualified. 
Within Agilent, we've seen a lot of change where customers now want custom qualification programs based on their specific user requirements. In terms of software, we would recommend end users take a look at Eudrelex Volume 4 Annex 11 on computerized systems. So that gives a really good overview of how software platforms should be configured and validated. And then the final piece would be the data integrity guidance. There's lots of data integrity guidance documents out there that have been published by various regulators around the world. But the most recent document was published by PICS in 2021 on good practices for data management in, in, and integrity in regulated GXP environments. The good thing is, is that through the PICS network, a lot of the regulators are now collaborating and there's now a lot of alignment and harmonization between the various data integrity guidance documents. So if you need to look at a data integrity guidance documents for the first time, my advice would be take a look at the PICS document from 2021. Hopefully, if they're working in this sector, it's not for the first time, but it's great to have those resources in place when they need them. And it's really interesting to hear how it's changed and that customers are now seeking a sort of more, well, we talk a lot about personalised medicine, so I suppose a personalised instrument approach. Well, well, fascinating. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have to discuss today. So thank you, Julia and Gary, for joining us and for your wonderful insights into the complex world of QC lab compliance. It was interesting to hear about some of the common challenges and regulatory concerns that companies are facing in this area with their spectroscopy instruments. On behalf of European Pharmaceutical Review, Julia Griffin and Gary Wright and Agilent Technologies, thank you for listening and we hope you'll join us for our next episode soon.